These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I am the host of the show. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I was in a coma seven-ish years ago now uh, for a month, and I woke up, obviously, and, you know, nothing in life was permanently sorted out. Shit, shit, you know, humans are adjustable adaptable where am i going with this welcome to this is your afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life my name is dave marr i am a comedian and a host of the show i was in a coma about seven years ago and i woke up still with a bunch of questions and now i've got this podcast and i'm asking some of those questions of my guests however this week we're doing something a little different there is a guest. Uh, their name is Show You Suck, the rapper. He has been on the show previously with his partner, DJ Steve Rydell, aka The Hood Internet. And they have a band called Air Credits, and they were on together. But for this episode, Show You Suck came on, and we talked about the movie Little Nicky. If you listen to the interview with Bianca Diaz, you remember her talking about Little Nicky, and I added it to the list for the Afterlife Movie Club, and here we are. Uh, skipped right from What Dreams May Come to Little Nicky. Skipped over Defending Your Life. I think that's that's probably the next one we have to do. But uh, yeah, we watched Little Nicky, the Adam Sandler movie, and we talked about it. And I, you know, you'll hear in the episode... I really attempted to squeeze as much pretension and and heavy themes as I could out of this movie. And just when I had given up, I was like, you know, I don't I don't actually want to force some sort of realization, but wouldn't it be amazing if little Nikki led to some sort of deep existential conversation? And since Ultimately, my priority was not to force anything. You know, towards the end of the the episode, I was kind of mentally like, okay, well, you know, we had fun talking about the movie. That's it. And then we got to a place by the end of the episode where we're talking about abolition. We're talking about the nature of evil, of good and evil. If there is a balance, does there need to be a balance? The nature of harm. Must it always exist? Um, what's the future we're building toward? We got there, is what I'm saying. We we made it to, and oh, we were able to overthink the movie Little Nicky successfully. And honestly, I'm proud of that. So go to the show notes and check out Show You Suck, all his stuff, um, including that uh, that April 30th record release show that Air Credits has at the Empty Bottle in Chicago. That is linked in the show notes. And also, join the Patreon. You'll get fun experiments like this all the time. You'll get the after show. You'll get the full-length conversations of the episodes with guests. And it just costs the price of a cup of coffee or a meal a month. 
either $5 a month or $15 a month, you can donate. At the $15 a month tier, you will get a shout out on this podcast. So I do want to shout out my Pigeon Level subscribers, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Debo, and Shuba Singh. So thank you. That, that you'll if, you've, if you're paying attention, those numbers are growing. Oh, wait. And John Lee. That's right. They're really growing. I have been wanting to share a little bit more from my life as I did in the episode a couple couple of episodes ago the uh the unknown is our only hope that solo episode I did again I don't want to force realizations so I'm not going to say stuff just to say stuff but the thing that I've been thinking about recently is I've I've just been feeling stuck and I've felt that way a lot and and it feels a little new but it always kind of does so maybe it's not but i've been feeling um you know i've been i've been watching the email the unread email numbers grow and grow seeing how little outreach i'm doing to the outside world and i had this idea recently Cause I was, I started the year and I was like, I want to write 20 minutes a day every day this year. And I was doing really well for a while. And then I fell off and then I got back on very briefly and then I fell off and I'm in a, I'm in a fell off period. But I was like, okay, the thing that's going to get me back into writing 20 minutes a day, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list of all of the things I'm not doing that are holding me back from being happy. You know, what are, what are all the, the actions I could take? What are all the beliefs I could hold? And can I just, can I just switch? Can I just all of a sudden start doing these things as if, as if, as if no change has to happen, you know, in in psychology, it's like behavioral activation. You you act your way into right thinking rather than think your way into right acting. In the uh, in the recovery world, it's so, so something like that. And I just I have not made that list. That that's another thing that I'm that I'm putting off now. So making that list would be part of doing the list. What would it be? It would be it would be more regular exercise. I'd be eating better. I would I'd be I'd be doing better at applying for jobs. I was really good there for a while and uh found some things that I really liked and if if you've done a job search, you know how it goes, you hit your same few websites and at a certain point you've feels like you've tapped the well. And you're like, so what next? Do I apply for for garbage? For do I apply for things I don't want to do? Things that I'm and 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 I'm I'm not trying to be lazy or entitled. Those things definitely live in me, but I'm just I'm just sick of of not. I'm sick of doing things. I, I I've spent twenty years refining a skill set. 
that involves communicating. It involves communicating in, in, in writing, in speech. It involves putting on events. You know, it involves the technical aspects of those things of putting out this podcast. This is not, <laughs> this is not just a resume right now, but I'm, I'm tired. Like it, it wouldn't be good for anybody for me to take a barista job. And that's no shade. Like, I know that's a very skilled job. I don't have those skills. And even if I did, I, you know, I would get sick of that. It, it, we'd be back to square one in, in three months anyway. So, um, <laughs> so, so there's another example of me talking myself out of one of the things on the list you know, in terms of beliefs, a thing on the list would just be, would just be, what would it be? Some sort of mantra like, I am going to, no, 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 I am, <laughs> be like, I am confident in myself. I am, you know, I, I believe in my talent. I, I believe in my ability. See, but then I, I get there and I think, well, it's not my ability. That's too individual. I want to be plugged into a community, into a group. I don't want to take full credit for something. And my brain just goes off the rails. I, I hear a lot of people self-diagnosing themselves, obviously, as ADHD on TikTok and, and Twitter these days. And man, that shit's tempting. I Honestly, I get it. I understand the pull to diagnose yourself as ADHD. Um, not really sure what it would get me to do that. Um, another, for me, it'd be, a, it'd be another good excuse. Um, it would be, uh, I'd feel a little less, less alone, you know, maybe search out some pills. Oof, gotta, gotta love pills. Gotta love some new, new pills, you know? The point being, it's rough out there right now. So, um, this episode is is not designed to to solve any of that roughness. This episode is just a joy. Hopefully, it was a joy to record. I love seeing Clinton, who's you know, aka Show You Suck. Um, it's fun to talk to them. We, we get along well, uh, and I, I like making friends from this podcast. So you can hear the evolution of our friendship, and you can uh, hear just two buds chatting about Lil Nicky. And if you want to watch the movie, if you, like me, had not seen it before or have not, you can go to HBO Max, and it's on there right now, if you're listening to this in April 2022. If not, man... <laughs> I don't know what fucking platform, what streaming platform you're on. I don't know, dude. Good luck. You know, you focus on the water wars right now. But yeah. So even if you're in the water wars, oh God, it's like the real, it's like not even ironic anymore. Oh, enjoy this episode is what I'm saying. I hope you're able to get a little bit of, of pleasure and escape and then uh, be be brought back to uh, reality and uh, really 
have the analogy of, of little Nikki stretched as thin as possible by the end of the episode. So that's what I got. Enjoy the show. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it like this got me into a real incubus kick. Like incubus, incubus is though. the most genuinely embarrassing band that I still like very, very sincerely like. Yeah, I don't know they catalog like that, but um yeah. like the major album. I like I like them. And I find them to be really endearing by people who love them. I just think it's like I have I didn't keep up with them. I just know the hits. I just know the Me hits too. from this era of the movie. But the main song that I loved was that "I Miss You" song. Yeah, you it's know a that great one? song. I love that song. That song is so. They just write good melodies. Yeah, for, for like honestly, they really do. <laughs> <laughs> this is an incubus appreciation podcast. Um, yeah, I guess I guess uh, we should we should get started. Okay. We're uh, we're talking about Little Nicky. Also known as the world's longest Popeyes commercial. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy. How do you think they did product placement, or do you think oh, they sure. just genuinely love Popeyes? This I think much? that was for sure product placement because that was like okay. That, I mean, that was like the thing about it. Um, that was like in the trailers and like in the marketing. Was it? Yeah, it was because that's the main okay. thing I remember about that movie was the Popeyes. Was Popeyes? <laughs> Because honestly, the first time I saw it, I saw it. I didn't see it in theater, but I saw it on VHS. I rented it, and it just didn't have a lasting impression on me. But I okay. always remember. That's what I was going to ask, is when you first saw it, what it meant to you. But it sounds like we're both poorly positioned, because this was the first time I saw this movie. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like my first time again, but um, how'd you, how'd you, base level, did you enjoy it? Um, base level, yes. Okay. In in one word, I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, in in more words, we got we stick around for another hour to an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Ah, mm, man, you know what? I enjoy. I didn't enjoy it at all when I first saw it. Really? No, I didn't enjoy it at all. How um, close to? Because it came out in two thousand. So this was like for me. This is right in the middle of high school. I, I rented it right like first weekend it was available to rent out that weekend. Okay, I rented okay. It. Um, Were you an Adam Sandler fan? I like even still to this day. I like Happy Gilmore, and that's kind of where it stops. Okay, not even Billy Madison. No. Okay. All right. I remember. I was. I. I knew kids who had that. That record, dude. Um. With the goat, the goat, and then the really long piss. Those are the things Dude, I remember from that Adam that, Sandler album. The, his comedy albums was not a like huge thing amongst my friend group at all. Like comedy albums wasn't didn't exist. Right, we didn't. Right, but my one, I had a, a one one friend, uh, Jason Rodriguez. Okay, and this one particular morning, this is maybe damn, maybe it was seventh grade. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, You're okay. Maybe eighth. Nah, I feel like it was like maybe early eighth grade. Yeah. Um, my mom offered to pick him up from school in the morning. We had never done this before. Um, okay. So we pick up Jason and real bold move, just a move I would never ever do. He leans up into the front seat and passes a tape up and tells my mom, "Hey, can you play this?" <laughs> and she's just like, "I think we're both just like." 
what? She's we're so first, like, taken off guard. Carpool session. I was like, I'm I'm just like, I feel, you know, it made me feel like I was like the dude who brought someone. I was invited to a party and I brought someone who wasn't invited. And bro, yeah. just act real out of pocket. And Took I've the never ox. seen him yeah. act out of pocket like this before. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't know you like you. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> so she just goes, okay, <laughs> and, and then put the tape in, and it's it's an Adam Sandler like com like comedy tape, and it was just like mm-hmm. it was some real wild shit. And I'm just like, no, she just. <laughs> She just popped it out. She's like, oh, hell no. She popped that out and said, no, we don't do that in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, I I mean, Adam Sandler is definitely like an eighth grade sense of humor. For not sure. even not even shade. It's just like that is. Yeah, that's for sure. That's what it is. the lane. And even yeah. when I was in eighth grade, I didn't even really. Not that I was like some higher level like, but. I don't know. I even I didn't even rock with it really that much then. Like, I was still kind of coming out of my like evangelical Christian era, so it was like not. I, I wasn't hip to that. Um, I wasn't on that wave, sure, like. and sure. I wasn't like a comedy nerd kid. Yeah, I wasn't. That I was either. like, yeah. Um, d- okay, I was gonna save this for later. But to me, the the observation that I am proudest of with this movie, and we'll eventually get to like some cursory summary of the plot, but like you're not listening to you and me discussing little Nikki on the Afterlife podcast because you don't know what the fucking plot of the movie is. <laughs> but but the thing that I was proudest of, so obviously, worst part of the movie, hella homophobic, just throughout, just just. It, to the point where I was almost like, it's so unnecessary. That's how it they don't always even... was, though. Like, yeah. that's what it always yeah. – it was all insanely unnecessary to the to the point where you're just like – and even then, I didn't laugh at it then, you know? But it was just no. so often. And you just, just brush – it was just like normal, you know? Because <laughs> it's not like clever – it's not like you're taking the premises, this person is gay, let's get clever about that. It's just the punchline is – gay you're gay yeah <laughs> but i don't know if you noticed this but i feel like a genius and may i genuinely think i might be the first person to ever notice this when so they call uh todd is the like the object of of the homophobia the the you know nikki's roommate yeah Which- and everyone just calls him wait what i was gonna say his hairline what <laughs> oh his hairline is my favorite thing of the movie. <laughs> it down. looks like you know that band, the monks who like shaved the top of their heads. <laughs> it looks like that. Yeah. yeah, I love how intense. I'm like, yo, I'm like, is that really his hairline? But you can see it like shit. You can hear it kind of growing back. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, they intentionally did this for the character. That's hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it stole every scene he was in. His hairline just stole the show for me. That is a great point. I did not give enough props to that hairline. That hairline <laughs> is amazing. But so, you know, they're calling like anyone who meets him just just calls him, you know, Judy Garland or fucking whatever, right? At one point towards the end of the movie, I think it's uh I think it's uh who it, there's there's Cassius and there's uh um the brother? Adrian. Adrian, yeah, Adrian yeah. is the is the white the white brother. And uh, 
Adrian calls Todd RuPaul yeah. as a gay joke. And then a butterfly lands on Adrian's shoulder, which is a precursor, but is a foreshadowing of the fucking Asia O'Hara lip sync. Wow. Is in the finale of season 10. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's so tight. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You got to TikTok that. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually, <laughs> I should do that. But like, that is, okay. So for those wow. who don't know, I think it's season 10. Asia O'Hara is one of the finalists. This legendary lip sync. She's trying to follow up on the previous winners, like roses coming yeah, out of yeah, her Sasha wig. Valor's, like, Rose reveal. Sasha Velour's amazing moment. And Asia O'Hara tries to loose these butterflies. And these butterflies do not fly. They just fall out of her costume onto the stage. And it's littered with dead butterflies. So it's a like epic RuPaul drag race yes. fail moment. Yes. But to see this, I'm like, and and that was season 10. And they're in season what, like 14 now? So it couldn't have happened more than like five years ago but to predate that by 15 years i feel like a genius like i've solved some sort of skeleton key yeah you gotta you gotta make an edit or something you gotta edit that together (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. if i were a video editor yeah and then people will dig into the movie and will cancel uh adam sandler (laughs) yeah right exactly okay so the question that i like my biggest okay wait Summary of the movie. The devil has two sons. Devil's Harvey Keitel. Two sons escape to Earth. They, they, they jump through this fire portal that drops people into hell. Mm-hmm. They go the reverse way. The fire freezes over, which we'll get back to. But these, So these two brothers go to Earth to create hell on Earth. And Nikki is their little brother. The devil sends um, Nikki to Earth to go trap the two brothers in this flask that if they drink out of this magic flask, they'll be trapped in it. And then he can bring them both back to hell at the same time, which is what he has to do. In the meantime, he has a uh, Nikki falls in love with Patricia Arquette's, you know, character. Um, he has a he has a dog named Beefy, who's voiced by Robert Smigel. Um, oh, in a that that was who that I looked to that. And so that and I'm like, based on timeline, this this was that had to be after Triumph the Insult comic dog started. <laughs> so Robert Smigel just had a fucking monopoly on goofy dog nice. voiceover in comedy. The Triumph at all, but. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But it's wild. It's not just one talking dog moment. <laughs> he becomes, like, the dog is in every scene of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> at, you know, at the end, Nikki discovers his evil powers that Beefy the dog is trying to help him tap into. He He accomplishes the mission, saves the day discovers that his mom was actually an angel played by Reese Witherspoon. I, I, I was not, that was, fire. there's a lot of cameos in this yes, movie. I was not the expecting cameos are that. pretty fire. Oh, for sure. In fact, one of the cameos that I, I realized I didn't even make a note of. So we might not, maybe we can talk about it. I mean, at this point I'm going to mention it, but Ozzy Osbourne 
is is like the big marquee cameo oh, and that wasn't sure. even like the most important one no yeah and it's, so it's, he discovers his mom was an angel and his de- and the devil dad sends him back to earth to be like you belong on earth um so anyway uh what's the most important cameo to you important i don't know about important but like or or shocking or whatever yeah was was am i correct in saying that quentin tarantino yes okay yes yeah. <laughs> uh was As the, the uh, street the blind street yeah. preacher and he had and he popped up a few times a few times yeah i'm like, like yo that's quentin tarantino <laughs> and if you're thinking about filming like you know trying to put the cameo person's filming days together there were a lot of different scenes that he was in. He must have been on that set for like at least a week mm, or a I couple of weeks. Think about it like that. That's that's yeah. wild. So they've got Quentin Tarantino just hanging out in a fucking bit part. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's cool, I guess. Quentin Tarantino creeps me out, but I mean, he, yes, big big creep, big creep. But that was like that's that's such a wild thing to go back in with little Nikki. Um, yeah. Uh, who homeboy who did? Uh, are we still talking about cameos? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Homeboy who did Master of Disguise. Uh, Dana Carvey. Yeah, Dana Carvey. I'm, I'm probably the only one to describe him. That. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Weirdly, I think there is like a Master of Disguise cult fandom for sure. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Dana Carvey, but those Dana are the like Carvey. SNL. His sort of like SNL. Yeah, uh, SNL. Compadres. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Dana Carvey. Yeah. Man. My bad. I mean, which to put was. That on them crazy the um the shout out to chris farley at the end of the movie oh yeah that was cool when they like claimed that chris basically chris farley they did one of those like so and so went on to you know text on the screen so and so went on to do this and that Mm -hmm. and like chris farley was reese witherspoon's new a robots instructor in heaven. Just this kind of like, we, we, it was a very weird, like touching moment to be like, we honor our friend at the end of fucking little Nikki. Like the thing of this movie, like nothing about this movie. I was really hoping to come into this and be like, how do we analyze this? What, like what deep messages can we, can we impart to little Nikki and make it seem way more important than okay, it is. And yeah. I, I really struggled to do that. Yeah. There's not, it's what you expect it is. <laughs> yeah. My faith, <laughs> I guess my sense of joy, my, my one joyous cameo was Tubbs from, from happy Gilmore to see that Tubbs went to heaven. It was just, wait, who, uh, who to, you Tubbs? know, all it's all in the hips. Oh, uh, Carl Weathers. Yeah. Carl. Yeah. Carl Weathers. I never know people because that's that to me. What there was also a thread of this movie being an arrested development audition mm. because you have Carl Weathers as the aerobics instructor in heaven, and you have Henry Winkler just randomly at the end getting stung by bees yeah. for oh wow, just to torture the crowd, I guess. <laughs> so there's an arrested de- development thread there, too. Um. But yeah, the the most like meaningful thing I could I could squeeze out of this was that RuPaul connection. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. I gotta say, <laughs> thank and you. I didn't see it coming <laughs> at all. So okay, so my biggest unresolved question, and this is like, I do hope it's funny, but I genuinely am trying to figure it out. Is the fire that that 
takes people to hell. Okay. The portal. Why does it freeze when the brothers go back out? And what is that? What is the fight? Like, what does it mean? What do you do? What do you make of any of that? I guess what is trying to, all right, I'm going to try here. We're going to get the reach ready. I love it. I love it. Because the brothers left hell. There's such a, there's such a, there's such a concentrated evil that once they leave the unbalance, it's so unbalanced that the highway to bring souls to hell, it can't, it can't allow that because the balance is so off. Oh, so it's almost like hell is, well, no, it's not hell is full. I know. I don't know. Because because that would be that would make sense that it was like sealed off. It's like no one I don't think else can go into hell. Or anything. I think it's a the the balance is so off. The unnatural balance is so off because they're so they're not supposed to leave. Right. You know But that's what I do that that's what tripped me out too was the devil saying uh because because hell was kind of was goofier than it was like I mean, I guess you it, to really show like a true hell, it would have to be like a really upsetting. Oh like, yeah, yeah, this, horror yeah. That hell situation. pretty rad. Um, yeah, <laughs> like shoving really up pineapple up Hitler's movie, ass. I really wish. I think that movie really only shined when it was in hell and when it was in heaven. I think it. I think mm. the earth was earth in every movie is a shitty middleman. For any yeah. movie, you got some weird shit going on. Earth is just like it's always better when it's just not dealing with you. You know, when you're not dealing with humans in Earth, like it, it's especially the fish out of water thing. It's just like it's been dead for so long, and and that's when it ends up just becoming it's just a big fish out of water movie. It's just like, but right. it was super. They they built a really funny world in hell, and then in heaven with like you know like the rules and like the characters. All the characters in hell and heaven were so much more interesting than when we were dealing with you know them on earth i wish they would have just cut that out totally like could we see the mixer where yes. reese witherspoon's angel meets harvey Keitel's devil it was such cool characters when it came to all that <laughs> yeah you know? i mean even just having rodney dangerfield be <laughs> the lucifer who started hell so and, like, rad so rad <laughs> I mean, there literally are parts of that movie that are just set up where it's like now a brief interlude where Rodney Dangerfield tells Rodney Dangerfield jokes. Yeah, it, w- it that movie was kind of it was like really promising in hell, and then it came like the charm came back again in heaven. Like because yeah, I guess the um, <clears throat> you can really let the characters just be. You're not worried about earth shit. You're not r- worried about rules and shit, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah, and the, but one, the, so in terms of the balance and the, the portal, the highway to hell, which is a, a good, uh, pun you got there, the devil is really invested in that balance is like the thing he says to Nikki, he's like, we have to maintain the balance between good and evil, which is, which wasn't interesting. I'm like, huh? Well, I think that's, I would, that's, I think that's, it, it, uh, biblically, I can be so wrong on this, but we're gonna go there. <laughs> I think biblically, that was kind of always Satan's deal. Like it's about having hmm. your own space, just being, uh, just being the opposite to the to to the to the main corporation. You know what I mean? Satan just didn't want to. Satan's about self care. 
So it wasn't about taking over, you know, some other shit. He's for the balance. Okay. Okay. He's like the He's natural part of order. You know, he's a he's a necessary evil. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Because I always thought of, you know, part of what greed's gotta be a sin, right? right. So greed is endless and hungry and um all consuming. So I would think that the evil of the devil would just never be full and would constantly want more and more and more. Yeah, I think you know what's funny? I think <clears throat> the devil isn't necessarily I don't think the devil, maybe in this case, I'm not talking like existential, but maybe I am. Uh yeah. I don't really believe that, but <laughs> let's, just you, hey. let's just go there. <clears throat> I don't think the devil necessarily embodies all the things that you would consider evil or a sin. He's just kind of like the manager of that space. Because even in mm. Little Nicky, right, he was hella loving. And he's just about the balance. So he's like a bureaucrat. He's basically. just playing his role. His role yeah. is the is the y'all is here the rule over hell. And hell is just the place where all the people who fucking sin go. That doesn't necessarily mean that they thrive off of sin themselves or that. That's just they roll. And that's when they left, he was like, yo, they disrupted the balance. That's not, we're not supposed to be up there, you know? Yeah. And that's why I just fudged everything up because they not supposed to be up there. So he's like, yo, go bring them back. And him, you know, once the balance was erupted, it was killing him. Yeah. Because he's just about balance. Yeah. That's, I mean, you're really like painting a, a solid, you're making the devil seem like just a hardworking sort of working class, anti-capitalist, Bro, just an underground, just a DIY me, guy. Me, the devil is just, a, he's just the cashier at McDonald's. Bro, I'm just here to ring you out. I just work here. I just, I work, I, sure, I'm part of the gears. Like, sure, I'm part of the fucked yeah. up system. But like, for real, right. for real, I'm just, you know, I'm just here. Maybe or like more a so server. the manager. Like, I didn't make the food. Like, you're not like. Yeah, he didn't create like, the sin. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't create the rules. That, he didn't create the rules that got you to hell. He's just a dude I mean, you I see think, once you get there. I think biblically. Well, did it? Well, yeah. okay. If the original sin is Adam taking the bite of the apple, the, the snake, devil as snake, encouraged that. <laughs> So did so did the devil invent that sin, or did man invent that sin? No. Um, well, the sins got based off the commandments. Am I right on that? Absolutely wrong. No. Oh, okay, no, not bad. right at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought. Well, I mean, that was the first time it was set in rules. You can't you can't enforce yeah. some shit that ain't that ain't. That, that was the first telling. That's what I'm saying. When when the commandments came, that was the first time when bro was like, "Yo, this is what the rule sets are. This is what y'all can't be doing." You can't. Well, really but God did say, God did say, here's the you're in the Garden of Eden. Oh, okay. Here's this tree. But he didn't you tell him it was sin eat the fruit ahead of from time. this tree. He still he didn't define it. it as sin. He just said, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. If you eat it, you'll be able to tell the difference between good and evil. What? Which we, I guess we was never told that what evil, evil was. Evil was never It's kind of shitty. Yeah. It's shitty when someone's like, don't eat this thing that will give you knowledge. That's like, I'm the, Adam's just out here trying to learn, you know? Right. And how you going? I don't know. You got to be able to see both sides. 
a man's just trying to get an education. How are you going to hate on that? I don't ever shit on nobody who's trying to experience something. <laughs> um, well, okay. So the one of the things, like the very end of the movie, Har- the devil, Harvey Keitel devil, tells Nikki that like he should have Earth. Like, which seems... I'm trying to I'm trying to parse it out like what this means exactly because a lot of things a lot of afterlife things as mo- as most morals of things are are ultimately about how we are on Earth. Sure. So it's like ah the whole time this actually dates back to when I had you and Steve on the podcast and you were like I just realized the the answers to these questions are about like how you live your life you know and I was like. Damn, you're kind of like blowing up my spot right now about like <laughs> this is the this is the podcast, you know. Um, but I also think that's kind of a cop out because partially for me, I want afterlife stuff to be literal. And I want people who really believe stuff to be like, this is what I really believe the afterlife is. Get ready or something. So so how did you feel about the devil giving Nikki Earth? to inhabit at the end um i was just um i mean as you say that i go i think about it now what does that do about balance well he's half and half it's just like how can he do that how can he give him who i don't understand who gave you the authority to give him (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's half that's a real colonizer Yeah, 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 yeah. You just rule hell. How you can you give him the, the... <laughs> right? And he, uh, it, it it also has the vibe of like, hey, thanks for saving me. Um, I'm gonna still hold on to this throne for a little bit. Oh, that's totally. Uh, you actually, I love you. You're my favorite son, but I'm gonna need you to go to an entire other realm. But that's what caused the issue, for real, for real, because. <clears throat> He was, it was time to pick a successor. If I'm, if I remember, it, it was yeah, time to pick a yeah, successor, yeah. and he was like, "Oh no, mm-hmm. no!" <laughs> exactly. So effectively, that, that's what he did. He just like, oh, "I'm gonna send you off too, so I can for real keep this." Right. Really, the whole movie's about the devil not being willing to give up Damn. his. And 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 if he's a bureaucrat, why does the devil want just to keep his fucking shitty office job? Damn. Um, you know, fear of retirement. Okay. Fear, which is a fear of death, maybe. You know, just not being useful no more. It's just like, okay. oh shit, this is what he been, bro, been doing this. I mean, he obviously saw his dad doing it. He took it over. But like, when it's time for you to go sit down and become, become dad, because you know how he treat, you know how they treat him. You saw how they treat him. Is it goes. Well, he he treat Harvey Keitel's devil treats Rodney Dangerfield's Lucifer poorly, but that's so but not, he, he just kind of dismisses it. Thinking, but everyone thinking, in hell Yo, loves is going to treat me like this. Now they're going to treat me because I'm the one out the seat. Now I'm retired now. Right. Cause I they taught put them me in a home, treat. you know, like, <laughs> yeah. But in a way, Rodney Dangerfield is showing, is showing a positive retirement. It's like, here's what your retirement can be. Mm-hmm. You just tell jokes and everyone in hell 
just laughs at him. And that's the whole thing. But Harvey Keitel is still, he's not as funny as Rodney Dangerfield. Nah, for sure. nah. You know Rodney don't get no respect, man. You don't get no respect, man. <laughs> you know the shtick. So I also wanted to try to figure out what do you think is the healthiest romantic relationship in this movie? <laughs> oh shit! Probably that the uh, the big like gorilla demon and the dude with the boob head and the, it was and so consensual. <laughs> it was like that was insanely consensual. Yeah, yeah, it, but it 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 was very. It was a purely sexual relationship. <laughs> so that's what made me. I'm like. Sure. I guess this is, uh, yeah, the sex seems healthy, but <laughs> is the is the hairy Chewbacca s demon and the tit head uh, guardian of the gate of hell? <laughs> is there any substance to that? Yeah, I guess I can't even speculate to the other end of that because we didn't see anything that would show that. I just saw how that's true. They seem to be really enjoying that. <laughs> And especially someone that have a new a new deformity is um and acclimate to it so <laughs> so well right away. Talk about turning yeah. a negative into a positive. Right. It well and they we did see them hooking up in multiple different situations. Yeah, that's so what I'm maybe saying. The moments when we're not seeing them, maybe they are having very nurturing emotional connections, or at least the kind of chill thing that you have in like a friends with benefits situation where it's like, Oh, we're eating, we're going and getting yeah, donuts or we're me. like eating breakfast or something. Yeah. There was no, uh, no quips back and forth. At least that, that I can remember. Did they finally, wait, was there a scene where they got outed to everyone? Wait, a scene where, Oh, the, where uh, everyone saw, you know, saw them together. I think, I think the gag was think like, so. yeah, the gag was just that like Nikki was the only one seeing it. Right, which is which is weird because I guess that is that that relationship had the flavor of a homosexual relationship. The they were they, they <laughs> were I, I they're like you, I feel you on that though because it was like it's they didn't not, really it's like these are two creatures. I'm like I'm like wait is this a homophobic is is it is it a homophobic joke? It's, but in a way, it was genuinely a kind of loving. It did kind of – I don't think sweet. this was intentional. <laughs> it did seem sweet. It did kind of undermine the entire um, homophobia of the <laughs> of the earlier parts of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of – I was like, oh, man, that's really sweet. Because <laughs> any other relationship in the movie is – is there's so much light on it that you just kind of see the, the problems – I mean, like Nikki and Homegirl. Um, they met like three times. I know. <laughs> Patricia Arquette <laughs> and Adam connection. Sandler's character. I, yeah, it was. And one of the times was her spraying him with mace. Yeah. And yeah, I also, okay, what made Hollywood, because one of my favorite movies is True Romance. Okay. Are you a True Romance fan? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen it maybe 10 years, but it was definitely one. Sure. It was, a, you know, an indie movie to see or a non-mainstream yeah. movie to know. You know, so yeah, I watched it. Quentin times. Tarantino penned script. Oh, I think. Okay. All right. 
I know he has something involved with it, but oh, okay. yeah. So there's so actually, and and a lot of cameos in that movie. So maybe yeah. True Romance is the is the drama version of Little Nicky. Oh wow! Even though they share nothing plot wise, except that Patricia Arquette falls in love with a big loser in Christian Slater, who just goes and sees kung fu movies all the time. And my question is, what about Patricia Arquette made Hollywood cast her as this? pre-makeover she's all that like this woman is mm. beautiful well, and they're movies, like oh this is the ugly little goof mm, mouse woman all those movies under the same uh studio maybe oh, she man. got wrapped up know. under the same studio you know what i mean so they just kind of kept feeding her the same type of project the same type yeah. of characters or something yeah and she said yes yeah to i i mean true but I just felt like she got done kind of wrong yeah. by being this like I, I wasn't I wasn't buying her as this total dork. I wasn't either. I totally agree with that. She definitely played a bad dork. Hmm. <laughs> that's really interesting, actually. I also think that's it's one of the pitfalls um to having a an hour and thirty minute movie. It's my favorite timeline for a movie. I will say that. Right. Right. But that is definitely one of the pitfalls. You kind of have to just roll with romantic, like romantic relationships in those. Cause True. there's almost never enough time to build um, a connection like that. Some have done it, but um, that was definitely uh, often, an often critique of mine as a movie is like that. It was an hour and 30 minutes. This was like, I don't even, they like each other this much already. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Well, and she didn't even come into it because I was like, I, I think there's a romantic interest in this movie. So I started paying attention to the time code. And it was late. She, she didn't even come in until 30 minutes into the movie. For sure. Yeah, that's late. Yeah. I also just realized that you and I hooked up to do this podcast after previously yesterday going back and forth about movies uh, we just had a real good movies day yep. on Twitter. Yep, hour thirty minutes. What's your yeah? Ooh. Tell tell your 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 new theory. Okay, about my, trilogies. Okay, my theory is this. Hey, it's Dave. I am taking a break from the guest for a moment to tell you about my newsletter, Definitive Answers. It's short for Definitive Answers to Unanswerable Questions. Basically, every week I send an essay in which I am squeezing current events in my own life for insights into creativity, culture, mental health, the kind of stuff I talk to guests about, but it's just me. So if you want essays like that, if you want music recommendations, a mood board of links and worthy places to donate, think of it like an old school alt-weekly, but just from my very overly sensitive comedy man's perspective... If that sounds good to you, you should subscribe. It's called Definitive Answers. You can go to thisisdavemar.substack.com or just click the link in the show notes and I'd love to have you and tell me if you like it. Okay, back to the guest. Trilogies, and I'm going to expand from your help on this. Um, (laughs) Trilogies should be watched only two ways. The first movie and the third movie, or you just watch the second movie. Watching all three of any trilogy is just too much, and the third one is never going to be good. 
because of the ex- but not because it's a bad movie, no, but because of the expectations set. Yeah, by the second what movie. happens is what happens is two is you you everyone gives grace for the most part to the first one, right? Because it's just the first one. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to the second one, usually they hire the stakes, um, the personality, the charm. Um, they may switch the tone in the second one. So, so really, the 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 third one is always like, oh, this. Everyone always knows what they the third one should be because of the second one. So more more times than not, when you watch the third one. It never matches the energy of the second one because you're because you're also exhausted on a damn story. Yeah, you already sat yeah. through two damn movies. You know, no matter how long in between them, you already went through two two of this story that was probably never meant to be that long in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so but usually third movies are real cool when you just watch the third movie. And where did you get this from? This was from watching a specific trilogy. Yeah, yesterday, right? uh, uh, me and my mom, me and my mom watched. Uh, um, oh, the hang! We watched the Hangover one and three. Right, right. Uh, and it was really, it was like, it was really good. <laughs> Why'd you do it like that, though? Um, that's how it came on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It was just on like TV. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what we were we were watching like HBO Max, not HBO Max. We were like watching actual HBO, and that's how they came on. It just like mm. skipped the second one, and it was like, oh wow, there's we granted we don't understand everything right away that's going on from this from the third one, but it's mm. not so much that it's like completely like um bewildering um you don't we didn't have the story fatigue of sitting through two movies already with these characters we came we coming off fresh off that first one so going into the third one it was just like no there's no expectations there was no expectations and we just sat and just like oh they they told a whole a full story we got the benefit of seeing the beginning of these characters and the end of these characters so we got the benefit of a full story um and they just did a bunch in a lot of time. And I was and I was looking up what people said about the third one. And most people said bad things about the third one. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, so that's because they're coming off the second one. Do you think your enjoyment of the third one had anything to do with your kind of catching up with the story of the second one? Yeah. And parsing it together. So it's giving your brain something to do. As you're starting the third one, yeah, because they kind of clue you in the things that that happen in this if from events that happen in the second one, um, right. but it's still all the same players from the first one. The problem here is that I don't think Hangover Two is canonically the best of the Hangover movies. Yeah, it's, but see me, that's not the point. Okay, okay, <laughs> but that's not the but. Point. The point but is, in terms if of you watch experiencing all three of the them, trilogy, you're going through it's just the nat- like the natural exhaustion of just like sitting through. Yeah, the time. But if you just character. watch Hangover Two, if you just watch one, and you're three, not going to get the. In most trilogies, if you just watch one and three, you get a full story. You know, you get, it's right. about getting the benefit because if you just watch two, if you just stopped at two, you're not of a trilogy. You're not getting the full the satisfaction of a full story. You're just quitting, and I've done that tons of times. I don't know how something ends. But if I just watch one and three or something, granted, I might not get all the context, but in terms of enjoyment and I'm not fatigued 
you know, I get mm-hmm, the beginning of a story mm-hmm. and the end of a story. So, I mean, me, the obvious the second one is just not always necessary. <laughs> the obvious argument against this is Godfather Two, which is a full is which first of all is probably the most famous trilogy other than like Star Wars, maybe, and is a full story beginning to end. I would say if I had to choose, I've never even seen Godfather three, but if I had to choose between one and three and two of Godfathers, I would go just two on Godfathers. But that's also my point. Most trilogies, if you just watch two, <laughs> but if you only watch two, it's going to be fucking tight because two is usually fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and the third feel is like usually dropping the ball here. because you're going off of two. Mm-hmm. But you won't get a full story if you just watch two, but you get a damn good time. <laughs> So Terminator Two, <laughs> significantly better than one and three. Yeah, you can only yeah. just watch two. But if you watch Terminator One, Two, and Three, you know how exhausting that is. What even was the? Is it was it Terminator Three or was it like Terminator Genesis or some? Yeah, they're right. all pretty trash. The Terminator that, Evangelion. Me, yeah, for me, most honestly, most movies. Um, I'm I love two. I love part two. Like especially when it comes to eighties movies, I'm just a part two guy. Um, mm-hmm. but in the rare case, I think, I think my favorite movie of all time, I might flip that in the past couple of months. And I might just fully say Die Hard with a Vengeance is probably my favorite movie ever. I would say in terms of Die Hards, that's the only one you need to watch. Wow. And that's the second one. That's the third one. Oh, it is. Wait, yeah. what's the second one? Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, to me, um, one and two don't even exist. I don't even. Wow, wow. See, that's the, that is the diehard but argument. If you watch I three, hear. I don't care if you about watch the three, Christmas. You don't need movie. to know. You kind of get little clues about John McClane, but like they're not anything that you need to know to enjoy the movie. So to me, right. one and two are you don't even need those. And even though the storyline is uh, connects to the events of one, you just roll clips of what you need to see from one. <laughs> I love it. I'm I'm here for that argument. Now, to bring it back, what vibe do you get from Little Nicky? In an imaginary trilogy, is Little Nicky a one, a two, or a three? Oh. For me, honestly, Little Nicky is the straight to video. Uh, it's like the straight to video <laughs> sequel. So maybe it's like, it's not so, it's not as bad as like a straight to, straight to video third movie but maybe it's the straight to video like sick it's like mad to me it's mass two energy okay okay what is the so if that's the case so it's a it's it's a number two in the trilogy what is the story of one and three? Ooh. okay so the first one <clears throat> i think the first one is more so about um how Nikki growing up and how different he is from his brothers, but we never we don't find out why he's different from his brothers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I like but maybe this. there's I some like type this. of like um, get the girl story or like it's all hell contained. Basically, part one is all hell contained, and then two is like, oh, we're gonna hire the stakes, so we're gonna put what about Nikki in the real world? You know, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh huh, but that one to me, the, the cameos are really good. But, like, honestly, the jokes kind of hit, and the speed of it kind of feels like a straight-to-video sequel. That's that's real. I, f- I fuck with, I agree with that. So then what's the third 
What's the third movie? Okay, so in two, right? So we find out Nikki is ha- is half, um, and then he gets Earth. So he's mixed naturally, race, basically. Naturally, third son of Nikki. He's gonna have a kid. <laughs> yeah, he did have the kid at the end. Oh shit! My, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot that. Um, yeah. The little baby. Because my brain was just such fire. son of mask is in my head. But um, <laughs> well, yeah. But you know, in the third one, what you know was is. Nikki's a dad now, and like, what what does that mean for Earth? Maybe his son is like overly evil. Mm, Maybe mm, his son has, doesn't for... have balance. Okay, okay. See, I was hoping that it would literally ascend through the heavens, so that one would be in hell, two would be on Earth, and three would be I in would heaven. And maybe three, they recognize we're actually kind of done with Nikki. Nikki can be like a side character in three <laughs> and maybe we follow. Uh, I mean, a, Reese Witherspoon was banging in this movie, dude. Uh, I believe in the movie world, we call that the uh, coming to America two approach. Okay. Coming to America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay. Be, so you have to have a real charismatic, like you have a, my problem is, is this, I don't like Nikki. I don't. I I applaud. Mm. I I do applaud um, Adam Sandler's effort for making it a weird character. This is definitely a weird character, right? Like, and it's not his exact same weird character. It's no, not it really like isn't. the. It isn't. To it's me, not it just the, doesn't hit. But I who it's like more. It's like the restrained Shabba Dabba do. Yeah, he trying. He really did try. Um, <laughs> yeah. To me, the character just doesn't hit. Um, and like. The cameos, I kind of like suffocated a little bit. Like, I feel like everyone mm-hmm. could have been a, like John Witherspoon could have been a little, fun, not even a little fun. He could have been way funnier. Um, yeah. And plus, it was a lot of weird editing. It was just like really weird editing. Also, um, is John Witherspoon the only black person in the home? No, <laughs> I think we've got him and Tiny Zeus Lester. That was the brother, right? Um, okay, that's true. That's is true. That yeah, it? yeah, yeah. No, at yeah. the bas- of course, at the basketball game. Uh, we had the sassy yeah, the whole basketball teams, yeah, <laughs> which was just like terrible. Uh, that could have been way f- that could have been so much more funny. Uh, maybe that was it though. Not a bad ratio. Okay, <laughs> I mean for yeah for for two thousand trying to get some laughs. They, they there was a lot of there was a lot of parts of black folks trying to get some laughs off. Of black, <laughs> little Nikki, they tried. Yeah, so. The the one moment of like I actually completely unironically cinematic greatness for me in Little Nicky. The climax of the movie is a fight scene that takes place inside of a flask. <laughs> Literally, it is a flask bouncing on the ground. And that, and all we're hearing is these three <laughs> brothers who are spoiler. Nikki gets trapped in the flask too. They're all fighting each other. But like, how low budget is that? Oh, and how brilliant to have made it. Like, I'm like genuinely, this is fucking amazing. They cut a corner <laughs> with that one. <laughs> but it's but it, to me, it kind of worked. Yeah, I'm like, sure. this is yeah, that's a creative wild. way to cut a corner. I wouldn't have thought of that. <clears throat> Very creative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree, but it was definitely janky. But <laughs> I mean, in an era where we have where we're just oversaturated, I mean, like marveled out with with fighting in movies, 
there should be more creative off-screen totally. fighting. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I get, they should have won some sort of audio thing. editing Oscar for this. I didn't think about it like that, but uh, yeah, I get them credit for that. Especially, I ain't coming here for a fight scene, so why put all that energy into a fight scene? I'm not coming here for a <laughs> right, right, exactly. That would be pretty crazy. Like all of a sudden, you see these three brothers doing legit martial arts of yeah. some sort. Oh, uh, but it did give me. I was like, when I when I initially saw it on the second watch, I was like, oh, this is very. I keep bringing it back to Son of Mask. Like this is very Son of Mask energy. So explain to me because I I never saw Son of Mask. So give oh, me give me the rundown. It's just like yo, okay. um, it's just like big aspirations and of an era with very questionable CG. Um, but. Your whole movie kind of leans on CG because it's coming off the heels of, you know, the mask, you know. Um, right. It's just, it's just like very, um, t- uh, I almost want to say like Tex Avery, like uh, Zing Zang Pow comedy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best I can explain is like Pow, Zap, <laughs> Zing Zong, Zing, like, Zinger comedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Onomatopoeic comedy. Yeah, with um very two that I mean with two thousands CG. Um mm-hmm. that's what's amazing about the flask is the in all the CG of it all, the flask is just a flask. It's not even a CG flask. <laughs> all they had to do was bounce this thing a couple <laughs> different ways. Yeah, I give them, you know what? I give them hella credit. I'm with you. I give them hella credit for that. So we gotta where I think we're coming towards the end here and we got to, I would be remiss to not be talking to a musician about the soundtrack to this movie, which really stuck out to me. I mean, we talked about, you know, uh, I kind of forget when we started recording exactly, but I think it was mid incubus praise. Yeah. yeah um, about the incubus. There is, there is, there's incubus on this. I'm a, I'm a huge Part of the unironic Deftones uh, fandom. Oh, there was some Deftones. I didn't realize. Can I look? Up I know. The soundtrack yeah, you can. It's on Spotify. Oh, there's. Um, I remember we did liking the license. I was like, okay, it's some cool. I was like, all right, this is cool. Yeah, the it's it's a very very like it's a very accurate um, picture of like two thousands butt rock. What's oh, also man. crazy? Yeah, Cypress Hill rock star. That was uh, that song was un- yeah. unescapable. And there were multiple. Oh, there's more um, stuff that was in the movie that's on this than what's on the soundtrack. There's a lot more that was yeah. in the movie. Um, you know, we got some Power Man Five Thousand. We got Disturbed. We got Lincoln Park. We got Muse. Oh, um, this this soundtrack was on Maverick Maverick Recordings. That was on Madonna's label. Oh they yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of two thousands jammers on there makes right makes a lot of sense. And there was a lot, a lot of POD in this yeah. soundtrack. Like, it, there's only one on the soundtrack, but or, or one on the like music from the motion picture release. But in the movie, there's like, I actually I looked up. Uh, okay, there's the School of Hard Knocks by POD. There's a Feral Monch song, by the way. Uh, right here. Yeah, 
but um there is okay what's what are the other pod songs there is oh everlong was in there the foo fighter song oh okay uh south town is on pod rock the party uh in parentheses off the hook so we got three full pod songs in this movie I wonder how much they got paid, or did they get paid for that? Oh, they got paid for that. That was that was a that, must be a that was an interesting. My memory of POD is that when I worked at a restaurant in high school, um, the uh, Youth of the Nation was on uh, the We Are We Are the Youth of the Nation oh, was that was POD, and that was on the radio at the same time as toxicity by system of a down okay and so those two songs oh and roll out by Ludacris. so those three songs were like the soundtrack of me bussing at this fine dining restaurant in uh in high school if i'm ever at a bar usually this happens at a bar but more so if i'm at like a club situation and a dj plays uh roll out by Ludacris, I, i'm having a terrible time oh really you don't like roll out I love Rollout. Here's my issue though. That DJs only play that song when they only play rap from two thousand from the early two thousands. Okay. Okay. So that that's telling me that oh, I'm only about to hear rap from <laughs> from when this person was in high school. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> annoying to me. It's so I'm I'm one of the rare like thirty year olds who hold the music in their high school year on a pedestal. I like new. I'm such a new. I like new stuff. I like new, especially when it comes to rap. I like new. When I'm out, I want to hear new. I want to hear none of that shit I was in high school. <laughs> okay. You want to hear Playboy Cardi? Yes. And that's it. Yes. But if you if you do it in a cool way, like even when I DJ, I play stuff from, from man. You know, I do it in a certain way. But it's just such a beacon, especially with Ludacris Rollout. You are only going to hear rap within that three-year span, and it's so utterly annoying. <laughs> it's really intense. It's it, I love and, that song. and I think to me, me too. To me, the song like that is uh, also a ludicrous uh, collab joint, which is "Yeah" by Little John and Usher. Oh, same shit. Yeah, same if thing. If you if you hear a DJ play that, then they're only going to be playing music from the, mm-hmm. that time period. And it's like, oh my, right? Unironically. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That and um, they'll play uh, Nelly. Yes, Nelly's the exactly. Other one. Just exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, the better little John song is uh, uh, "Turned Down for What." You know, yeah, I'll I'll take it. You know, what? I'll take that because if I hear "Turned Down for What," then that means it's like I'm in some like real clubby like. Yeah, someone's like sure, going. Like, it's way hard. more entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so what's your what is your what was your feeling? Did you get any feeling on the soundtrack? Did you have any opinion on this era of music? Um, I I hated this kind of stuff. I do. Yeah, I think from I do. My previous rant. I don't. I'm not a huge proprietor of uh, okay music from 2000 2000. There's a, you know what, and I can be proven wrong because I, I mean I bought tons of music then. Um, a lot of it just didn't hold up, and a lot of it. I listened to yeah. because that was the option. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it just doesn't really hold up. But I didn't mind it in this movie. I think how they used licensed music in this movie didn't annoy me at all. It weirdly made me 
into it. Like yeah. when he's switching between again the like is this is this homophobic? Is this are we are we are we going to transphobia here? But when he's like seeing the guy dressed in the uh the women's underwear okay, in the yeah, yeah. window, switching between that music and the music of like the Foo Fighters that you know, he's like running, little mm-hmm. Nikki's running to find uh God, I Veronica, is that her name in in uh I'm terrible I'm so the, terrible the, with names. Patricia Arquette, the yes. the love the love uh interest interest valerie valerie is her name but um yeah weirdly the way they used it kind of made me i was like it helped do i like like mm-hmm. disturbed <laughs> like, like, yeah they had a moment they yeah. played some chicago too so that was my other question chicago is when they um which i think is a pretty solid joke the yeah. these two metalheads who are obsessed with Nikki and just follow him all around. Um, one of whom I think it was cause there's Peter and John and that's just like the actor's names too. And they're, they're those, they're two like Sandler guys who are like, right. just like the guy who played Todd, they're in all his movies, yep, yep. but the guy who played Peter, the one with the like kind of speech impediment, that guy was incredible. Like I was yeah, like, he was good. this is a really interesting. I almost, I almost loved them. Um, it was just yeah. like almost, almost, almost love though. But it, yeah, great. Uh, but so great they're playing, really they're playing Ozzy or Sabbath or something, yeah, and they're right. trying to play on the record. They they reverse it and do the back mass like Nikki, hey, check this out, and you like can't tell what the message is. And little Nikki's like, no, 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 it's uh, it, it's not, it's not that. It's Chicago. And so then you hear like, does anybody really know what's on? And then he does. And it's like, pour blood into the lamb, blah, blah, blah. And that's a good, it that's a good, good joke. Right. But I, I wanted to ask you, who do you think is the most likely current artist to have backmasked messages in their oh, songs? Man. I think we already brought them up. I would say Cardi all day. Oh, okay. You don't think Cardi- that's a little obvious? Uh, I think, mm, yeah, I think, I feel you know like what? I say, yeah, I think it is hell out. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, uh, you should watch his messages are front masked. If you haven't, watch his performance from, uh, um, it's a Lollapalooza performance. Uh, mm. that's what he did. And me and my friend Matt, we have this running joke that, uh, he's literally turning into a, a demon in front of us, but everyone's just partying <laughs> to it. It's because really through the set, you, his like, his movements become more and more demonic. <laughs> Whoa. It's okay. He's okay. It's watching him come in, like come into an aesthetic and like his live shit is so cool to see. <laughs> I, so I love entertaining that. Live. See, I'm going kind of the Chicago route. And I think, I think it's Drake. <laughs> I think you're hearing Drake like, are you drunk right now? You know, you're hearing that backwards and it's like, <laughs> it's like, bow, you know? <laughs> I just think because Drake has a reach that as the devil, that's for sure. I would you want. You know what? You know what? He's the biggest out. And you need you need smoothness to to take that poison pill Damn. down, you know. Put the pill in the cupcake. It's definitely some Drake <laughs> shit. Yeah, 
Damn. That's that's my that's my thoughts on uh mat back masked messages. Damn, Drake is Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, real Illuminati. So, <laughs> final question then, what have we learned about the afterlife or I'll say life itself from the movie Little Nicky? And nothing is an acceptable answer. <clears throat> um, I think, well, I don't know. Um, initially I was going to say that, I guess what your actions really don't matter because hell don't seem that bad, but it was pretty bad for the people who sucked, right? Like for the people who ended yeah. up in hell. Um, yeah. Hmm. What would I learn from little Nikki about the afterlife? I guess, I don't know. I guess more so my, my, some people got to go to hell. <laughs> okay i like that i definitely the thing i take is balance too i didn't i didn't put it together but some people got to go to hell is a good like next step from learning balance but thinking just i i i think i might genuinely i don't know how long it'll stick with me maybe the rest of the day but I will be thinking about the balance between good and evil <laughs> and the extent to which it is necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, even in a real sense, like it's, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, okay. I'm going to go real on, a, on out a li- Let's go out on a limb Let's here. Go. From an abolitionist perspective, harm is inevitable, but is evil inevitable? I, I I don't know. And if we're trying to build a better world, we gotta have some hope that there's not just a 50-50 balance between exactly. and people. Maybe and maybe it's not 50-50. Maybe it's 90-10, and that's that's what we're calling the balance. And I'm very aware that I'm that I'm I mean I'm very intentionally reading too much into this sure. movie. But <clears throat> but um Yeah, I mean like do some people gotta go I to think hell. It is, I think it is absolutely inevitable. Uh, was that the question originally posed? Yeah, I mean sort of like necessary do you is think a, is a as an area to, to look at too is like are these is is it necessary? Is it necessary for that? Well, because there's that whole thing of like thing? you know to experience joy, you got to experience pain. I, I don't know if I'm fully with that. Well, here's the, I don't know if I'm fully with it. I, I wasn't fully with it until I realized. Okay, it's not about. It's not that the pain teaches you about joy. It's that. It's that to experience joy. You have to turn enough receptors on in yourself that you will unfortunately be receptive to pain as well. So it's really about being present. That's that's my feeling. <laughs> You're going crazy. Hey, that's okay. real as hell. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Um, you know what? There was a I mean, from shit from how I kind of learned how to deal deal with things. I kind of learned, especially when it comes to 
concepts of success and um, to me, things you can't fucking control. You have to, for me to not let bad things bother me, I also kind of have to not like let the good shit get me too hyped up either. Yeah. You know, or the flip the side is you stuff. could if I'm gonna shut these receptors off, yo. Like then I can't I can't be I can't be selective about the shit. I can't be like lit, you know, I can't let the good shit hype me up so much too and just ignore the bad. I, I can't work like that. Like Right. And I don't love the idea of shutting receptors off, but but processing success is not the same as processing like all emotions. Okay, so I'm sure. down with okay. shutting some of those uh receptors off, I think. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I feel yeah. I, but, but does that apply to evil in the world? I, I don't think it's the same. I don't think evil teaches us about good. No, I, I don't think, think so either. I think evil might just be. I don't think a balance of that shit is real. Like everything can yeah. be good, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it does feel like in our current reality, human something in human nature, there is – like the other thing I kind of took from this movie is like, damn, people are ready to turn Earth into hell at a fucking moment's notice. Like <laughs> when these brothers are inhabiting all these different priests and mayors and fucking yeah. Harlem Globetrotter referees, like everyone is ready to turn into a mob in a second. That's some real shit though. I think it's very real. Hmm. And so so there is something on earth in human nature that is just is just what is it? Temptable? Is it straight out bad? Is it evil? I don't know. Your your thing about some people got to go to hell is are there full out bad people? I do think so. You and do. Man, not everyone who gets called out for that, but I absolutely do think there's just some motherfuckers that's just yo for real. There are yo like, and it ain't they fault. It ain't never they fault. But it's some motherfuckers out here that they just ain't never got no ounce of love, yo, and and, and they've okay. been destructive. And they so it's not that they started that way. Hell no, but it's that you believe they fault. are too far gone to ever in this life come back. Um, I don't. I feel like here's the weird thing. I feel like I don't even, man, damn. Some people are so far gone that maybe the resources it would take mm-hmm. um and the help that it would take would deter from people that can be helped in a shorter amount of time. Is that fucking weird? Yeah, that, that feels no, weird. That it makes feels a weird, ton but of sense. That's all cops are bastards, dude. It's like, yeah, technically. I would like cops to have a just transition to some other job. But right now I'm trying to focus on the people who are getting killed by cops, not by cops being coddled to become more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everyone, I don't know. I feel like everyone is teachable and serviceable, but like, I don't know. We got the time for some. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's like, but that comes yeah, from, it, from someone who ain't, I'm not an expert in helping, you know, helping of reform course. people and shit, but like, yeah. Um, 
Some it becomes a theoretical thing. It's sure, like, absolutely. well, I guess they're they're saveable, but with the real resources we have, they're cost? essentially That's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of always, yeah. you know what, when I, when I, even in my decision making, when I'm helping someone else, like, figure something out, my, my key is like, yeah, we can do that. Well, what's the cost? Mm-hmm. You know, you can always buy, you know, fuck that. I'm not going to even compare this to no physical, you know, for no physical products or no shit like that. I'm just going to say that, yo, like, you know, we can get everybody out the jam, but like that's, it's costing. Yeah. And it's not all renewable resources, you know, you know right. your emotions and like your physical state of someone who's helping, that's not a renewable resource. <laughs> yeah. And time, time yeah, is finite. Yeah. 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 And, um, it sounds cold as hell, but like it don't come from a cold place. It's just how shit seems. I don't know. I I could definitely be wrong, yo. <laughs> Some well, just done did so much damage, yo. It's just like, yeah, I know. No, I I think we're I think we're on the same page with that. And man, am I proud that we fucking. In addition to identifying that little Nikki predicted a moment of RuPaul's drag race 15 years before it happened. I think this is also the first podcast to have arguments about abolition in a discussion of the 2000 Adam Sandler vehicle, little Nikki. And for that, I think we've really succeeded here. Uh, it's cured. All of it. Eric, just listen to this. <laughs> the answers are here. Duh. <laughs> So I don't know. Show you suck. I mean, you, you wanna you wanna plug anything? You wanna? Are you guys doing a you and Steve doing any air credits shows? Yeah. Or are you doing stuff yeah. soon? Uh yeah, air credits. We are live. First headlining Chicago show in two years at Empty Bottle, uh, April third. The record release show. Record release show. Also, oh wow, yeah, the record that dropped last year. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah the one year late. That was really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll have the vinyl available and. Um, some uh really awesome teas that are only available live. Uh, Wait, next, when is that? Uh April 30th, 4:30. Okay. Yeah, big cool. big silky will be joining us. Um Yeah, pretty stoked on it. Amazing. Well, uh that's uh that's it. I guess I guess rather than I'll probably I'll probably do an intro to this to this episode, but I'll I'll save the outro and just say uh Thanks, folks, for listening. We'll be back with a uh, with a guest next week. Not a not a movie review. And uh, thanks to the folks who review the show. Thanks to the folks who subscribe on the Patreon. Check out the show notes for how to follow show and the link to that air credits show. And until next week, remember you are a mist. <laughs> <laughs>